Yes, it is time for the summer edition with all with big thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. You can catch us right across regional Queensland and the Resonate Network here in Longreach on 4LG, 4LM Mount Isa, 4ZR Roma and 4VL Charleville. Scott Parkinson joins me in the studio. Good afternoon, mate. Oh, good afternoon and what a great week it's been and what a great time to be alive on the summer edition. It certainly is. We, we, we've only got four episodes to go and as Nick Backstrom uh, joins me. But it looks like we're going to continue on. Well, it does look like we have a uh, reduced air time and a different time and a different uh, time midnight slot. Sunday. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> three to three to four in the morning. No, no, it will be midday. I think Sunday. summer edition up late. <laughs> <laughs> Call in. It gets blue. <laughs> 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 All uh, the things we wanted to say but never been allowed to. Summer edition up late. <laughs> what about the uh, the outtakes? Yeah, oh, oh no. Tell you no. What. <laughs> if those outtakes ever make it out, we are in a lot of trouble. That's right. And a big, uh, big uh, good afternoon to Glenn McGrath, Nick. Um, <laughs> big sports stories of the week, obviously the Michael Clark saga, the Allen Border medal, and the uh, NRL nines in no particular order. Yeah, yeah. Take your pick. Oh, yeah, I'm just astonished how much Michael Clark is worth. Um, mm. I guess he's done a lot of media since he left the cricket, but uh, we do. It we doesn't do look th- like he has any vices, though. I mean, no, that's it true. Probably expensive haircuts. Yeah, but that's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's probably tattooed from the neck down now, from what we can tell. But uh, yeah, he probably has. He probably doesn't spend his money wildly. And uh, but yeah, that is a heap of money for like you know, no one wishes ill on anyone. Yeah, you know, the breakup of marriage is always disappointing. And uh, hard for those involved, but I just can't get over how much money he's worth. What, was, what did his wife do? Married well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well I think she was a model, I think. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That, I read the story about how they went to school together oh, and nice. he pursued her at a bar pre-Lara Bingle right. and sent his mate over to say, could I have your number? <laughs> this is Michael Clark. Andy Pickle-esque. Do you know who I am? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, oh, look, he hasn't got the balls to come yeah, up and yeah, say yeah, it himself. Yeah. And then he progressed on to Lara and then... Found her again, so yeah, it was it was the great story that's probably ended. Yeah, a great Australian captain can't do something himself, so he sent one of his teammates over. <laughs> Look, my big story is the NRL nines. I just think I don't know what it's about. I was pretty excited to be honest, leading up to it, but now I see that Anthony Milford's got a hamstring injury, and I'm just like, well, what's the point? Mm. Why are we risking our top line players in a competition that means nothing? I mean, it gets you a bit of money, it gets you a bit of exposure. Perth don't care. The crowd yesterday it might be better today, but the crowd yesterday. You could, yeah, nothing, there was no one there. No one yeah. gave and, and two hoots. I think they're going to impose a game on any market from the top down. It's not going to work. Games get established from the bottom up. Yes. If you want to have a rugby league culture in Perth, you've got to come up with rugby league local clubs. Mm. That's the only way it's yeah, going to happen. Yeah, let them have a wild card. Yeah. Yeah, Perth. I just, the, the NRL to me is lacking strategy. I don't know what they're trying to do with it. I don't know what the goal is going forward, but the NRL 9 is a joke. The Allen Border medal, how David <laughs> Warner got that... Uh, 300 runs against Pakistan should count against you, I believe, for the Allen Border Medal. Do you know the thing that irritates me the most, boys, about the Allen Border Medal? The cricket season's not over yet. Yeah, that's the other thing. You know, Sheffield should have got four rounds to go. They used to have a Shield Player of the Year. There's one day, international one day is yet Um, to play. They've they've gone off early, obviously, Mm. to fit in with other other events. But, you know, it's, it's just disregarding... The Sheffield Shield completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the rest of the summer. Dave Warner, how did he win it? I'm not too sure either, Scott. Um, votes? Is it votes for the Allen Border Medal? Well, I think it's like a 3 2 1 system yeah, per yeah, from, game. From the uh, journalists. But yeah, we've talked about this before. Cricket Australia, ever since they came back, him and uh, Smith, and not the other fellow, they didn't really care about Bancroft. They've been. T- the journalists and the Cricket Australia have determined to rehabilitate them in the crowd's yes. eyes. And the best way to do that is what Smith did, which is score runs in the middle and, in test. And yeah. the whole, yeah, suddenly Warn was, uh, Warner was Warney and Dave and, and uh, uh, the Bull. You know, suddenly they nicknamed out of nowhere going, we're not going to warn <laughs> to bull. him, give it up. <laughs> they did, they called him the Bull. You know, who's calling him the Bull? You reckon his mates are going... Hey, the bull. What are you doing for that? The bull. Yeah. Not bull. <laughs> the bull. But do There's you, a lot of bull. Um, I smell a lot of bull getting that award. <laughs> do, you, do you feel, though, and uh, Australian journalists 
have been shocking at this for years, and I've Channel Nine. Mm. Their their commentators are coached. I feel oh, yeah. in in a sense to yeah, as you say, warm to these players. And and I think I take on board what you said, Nick. I don't think Australia's ever going if they haven't warmed to David Warner already. And I no. think they did in that debut one day where he scored a hundred yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know put bums on seats. But I think that tag's gone. Mm. Yeah, I think some cricket players lend themselves to having a personality. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I think Tim Payne to me, it's not so much the media that does the talking but his personality comes through on the stump mic and, yeah. and kind of when he's in a press conference he makes a little cheeky comment so that personality comes natural to him yeah, yeah. just if there's a cricket player we don't need to know everything about them like no, Dave Warner right. the cricket player that's what we liked we liked the guy who was scoring big runs quick runs yeah. we don't need to necessarily know all about him and see him everywhere and get to know the bull yeah, I find it interesting too the Australian journalists I remember a uh, pink test a couple of years ago and every day we'd have two good sessions and then the last session would go disastrously. Mm. But Crash Craddock in the uh, Courier Mail would file his story at tea time. And he'd just talk up Australia. You know, oh my God, best tea in the world. And see, by the time you got to read that in the Courier Mail, they would have crashed in the third inning, in yep. the third session, every day for about for the whole test. Yep. It's quite extraordinary. I mentioned that to someone who said, yeah, I've talked to because he's a cricket fan and knows these people. He said, yeah, I've talked to him that myself. He goes, he's told to talk Australia up. That's what they want. And he feels yeah. that he's horribly embarrassed every day. Bree Conan joins us shortly from uh, the Lions uh, AFLW side, Scott. And we talk about women in sport. And the AFLW is one of the success stories. I believe it started before the uh, NRLW. And it's been a great competition. It gets great fan support. It's a great timing of the year as well. It's all um, done and dusted before the, the men's competition kicks off. So the, the full exposure is given to that. And Bree, I mean, what a great chat. And we've got her yeah. sister Liz has moved to town. Um, and Bree, yeah, tells us her story into the AFLW. We then talked the rugby, uh, David versus Goliath story about the Warrior, the public school. And um, then we catch up with John Palmer to talk all things athletics. Looking forward to the Olympics later this year. Oh, for sure. John Palmer's been an absolute stalwart of uh, athletics in the Central West for over two decades now. And uh, he knows uh, you know, all the hard work that goes into getting an athlete from uh, junior level right through to the Olympics. And the Outback profile this week will be on one of the great events, the Julia Creek Dirt and Dust Festival, Scott, into its 26th year. I know you're in training for the triathlon. Um, and the best part. Just because I'm wearing tops in the studio does not mean I'm in training for it. I'm just running out of time. But, yeah, no, great um, great event. And, yeah, always uh, very impressed by people who can get involved and, and get be a part of it. It's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. This is the Summer Edition on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Back with today's summer edition, thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. You can catch us right across the Resonate Network on 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, 4SB and Hot Country. Nick, a concept that captured the imagination of, of racegoers last year was, was the All-Star Mile. It allows the people to vote for their choice of horses in this race. That's a fantastic concept and it's always a great, uh, I guess, uh, indicator of the popularity of horse racing still in Australia. And uh, this year, the Queenslander, he's got the looks, he's got the ability, and he's got the rock star name, Alligator Bloody, leads votes um, as votes closed uh, yesterday. And joining us from Racing Victoria, Greg Carpenter, good afternoon. Good afternoon, guys. And you're right, last night, uh, the voting went into blackout. Alligator Blood, well ahead of the, uh, the rest of the field on the leaderboard. Uh, voting will actually close midnight on Sunday, so you've still got yep. time to okay. vote. Uh, and, of course, this year, the added incentive is that for every vote received, Racing Victoria will donate a dollar to the um, Bushfire Relief Appeal. So if you haven't been to www.allstarmile.com.au, make sure you do vote for the Queensland Star and also help the um, Bushfire Relief Appeal. Now, Greg, this is in its second year, the All-Star Mile. Uh, tell us a bit about how it came to fruition. Well, we did a long process of uh, ideation, going through different ideas to try and reinvigorate or innovate within the racing industry. We landed on the concept of the All-Star Mile, which is the richest mile race in the world, but it's also the race on the planet where the fans have the most fun. So $5 million race, 15 horses will run, 10 of them are voted by the fans. So we took nominations last year um, in January. Um, The fans have five weeks to vote which 10 horses they want to see run in the race, uh, and then the rest of the field is made up by wild cards. But other than voting horses into the race, you're also entering a $500,000 competition. And then the 
fast forward to this year, a horse like Alligator Blood, if you vote for him, one of the people who have voted will be drawn out. If it's someone from Queensland, regional Queensland, we'll fly them to Melbourne, them and their partner. They'll have three or four nights in Melbourne, enjoying the race, the build-up to the race. And if he wins, you win $250,000. If you vote for another horse that comes in and runs uh, last in the race, you win a minimum of $10,000. So you're mm. voting to shape the field, and you're also entering free opportunity to win $250,000 on a trip to Melbourne. And what we saw last year for a guy called Damien Manane, um, who won the $250,000, he, he had Mystic Journey, the $11,000 filly from from Tasmania, who won the race last year. And for him, it was actually a, a life-changing experience. So there are lots and lots of reasons to get involved and vote in the All-Star Mile. Now, over the years with uh, public voting on various things, not to mention elections, um, there's been some pretty silly results people have sort of engineered, like the most notorious was Bodie McBoatface. Uh, what are the safeguards <laughs> against something like that happening here? Well, last year we had a number of Cinderella stories, uh, horses who weren't as well performed as some of the genuine Group 1 superstars. And last year's story came out of Queensland. It was a great horse called Urban Ruler. Um, he was trained in uh, Brisbane by Chris Muntz had uh, 800 owners in the syndicate behind him, so they got to vote. They got all their family and friends to vote. So Urban Ruler actually made his way into the final field, and again, um, the connections of that horse won themselves $90,000, even though he ran last in the race. But it's all about the fans. I mean, mm-hmm. it's about trying to run campaigns to get your horse into the race. Okay. Uh, last year, the top vote gainer was Balf's Choice, uh, a horse from Adelaide, who again wasn't um, wasn't the uh, the best performed horse in the race, but uh, a television and radio identity over in South Australia called South Aussie with the Cozzy. Um, he runs his own travel log and does a radio morning program. He got onto Facebook and said to all his fans, "Look, help get this South Australian horse into the race." Uh, and last year, Bouse Choice went from thirty two in the leaderboard to number six overnight. <laughs> and we were able to track the, the 3,000 votes we got overnight were all direct links. People on the Facebook site uh, of Aussie with a Cozzy uh, who then clicked the icon to go to the racing, uh, sorry, All-Star Mile uh, website and voted. Mm. And uh, on Wednesday night, he did exactly the same thing. He's launched another South Australian horse into the race um, Dallas Ann and Dallas Ann went from 13 to 5 in the voting, uh, <laughs> running in at Flemington today, and he, he looks as though South, he looks as though he's going to be South Australia's rep. And that was the great thing about the original All Star Mile. Every state of Australia had a runner in the race, and this year we've also allowed uh, the New Zealanders to vote, and they've voted Melody Bell and Catalyst into the race. So we're hoping that every state of Australia will get a runner in. Uh, and it looks as though there's definitely going to be two New Zealand horses. So it's a great concept. It's a bit of fun. And as I said, mainly for people out there, you vote, you donate a dollar for the Bushfire Appeal, and you're also entering for free a competition to win a trip to Melbourne and $250,000. Yeah, vote's still being taken till tomorrow night. Uh, allstarmile.com.au forward slash vote. Before I let you go, Greg, a uh, big news story that's transpired in the last uh, seven to ten days is the return of the boy from Wyandra, uh, Charleville's own uh, Peter Moody, back into the training ranks. He's going to take 40 boxes up at Packenham. Uh, certainly going to be a bolster for the training ranks in Victoria again. Well, it was a great journey for Peter, who, who went from uh, Queensland trainer, worked for Bart Cummings, and then set up his business in, in Melbourne and ended up being a um, premier trainer here. Really um, coincidental that uh, today at Flemington is Black Caviar Lightning Stakes Day. Uh, Black Caviar is going to the track today. I've never, I can't remember a broodmare going back no. to, to the parade of the racetrack, so Peter will be there. We also know that since Peter handed in his licence a couple of years ago, uh, he's done a great job in the media. Everyone respects him for his straightforward, straight thinking, straight shooting um, views on racing that make a lot of sense. Um, he's taking out boxes at Pakenham um, and returning to training, which is a great thing because we know what a great horseman he is. Um, he's a great advocate for sport, uh, our sport horse racing as well as his love for war history. So um, it won't be long and Peter Moody will be back in the training ranks, no doubt. 
Greg Carpenter from Racing Victoria, thanks very much for your time this afternoon and contribution to the summer edition. A pleasure. And for everyone listening, please, www.allstarmile.com.au and make sure you vote. Proudly rural Queensland. I'm back with the summer edition. It's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. You can catch us on 4SB, 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country. Nick Backstrom, probably arguably the biggest sporting event every four years in the world is the Olympics. Oh, undoubtedly. Uh, just for the breadth of sport involved, the number of countries involved, the sheer uh, numbers of people, officials uh, volunteers and uh, audience both at the grounds and on the TV. Yeah, coming up at Tokyo 2020 starting in the back end of July and going through until the 9th of August. And I thought, it's timely, isn't it? We, we talk about it. And we talk to one of the greats of Longreach <laughs> Athletics, John Palmer, joins us. Uh, welcome to the summer edition, John. <laughs> As he leaves the room. No, thanks for joining us. You're unreal, Watsy. <laughs> <laughs> we don't often get guests in the studio. No, it's quite right. a novelty. We're, we're overexcited. <laughs> You're going for the Prime Minister job? <laughs> Mate, it, there's 152 days to go. Yes. Then the Paralympics, uh, they're about 188, I think. Right, yeah. Know. So they're, 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 you know, they're athletes just like of course, everyone yeah, else's yeah, athletes, yeah. So, which is wonderful. And it mm. comes around really quickly, but now's hammer time. Now's when the qualifiers are on. Um, last chances to, to get involved in, in Tokyo 2020. Uh, you've got a list of the uh, qualifiers coming up? Yeah, that's exactly right, Watson. And, 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 you know, there's five athletes already uh, have hit qualifying. Yep. And they're all, all long-distance, you know, runners or walkers, you know. So yep. we've got two walkers, race walkers, Dane Bird-Smith and Jemima Montag. Yep. And they've been around for a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. And they, they represent their country uh, very, very well. So... So uh, it's great to see them back in there. Yeah, yeah. Also, Curtis Marshall, he's a pole vaulter. Now, he's oh. an exciting young prospect. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's not as good as a Swedish guy because he's, he's, I think he's <laughs> 19 or 20-year-old and he's jumping six and a half metres already. Wow. Fantastic, you know, isn't it? I'd get a nosebleed if I got that high. <laughs> that but, is a sport. I'm always interested in how you start out on pole vaulting because it seems I know how you start and how you finish is another thing. <laughs> 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 but you know what I mean? It, 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 you are right, Nick. Yeah, it's yeah. just like you know, every sport has... A, and, and every every um, discipline's got its own technique. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's certainly, you know, a slightest breeze can sort of mm. suddenly hit the uprights, mm. you know. So, corner, yeah. so uh, Curtis Marshall could be interesting, you know, like he's jumping 580 now. Yep. And and um, so, you know, you just don't know mm. when, when he gets onto the onto the big big paddock. Yep. Um, so, you know, never know. Um, Stuart Mesweven is a 5K runner. Yep. And also uh, Jessica Hall. Is, yep, is a fire, and they've all qualified, right? Um, so so which is wonderful. Right. Yep. Yeah. So, so it's a matter of and then. Then, in saying that, we've got a whole heap of um, um, major events that are coming up on, yep. on the on the interna- on the national circuit that allows athletes now, and and they'll be starting to peak, you know, like coming into the next few months. So, what you're saying, John, is not too late for what's in me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, move the little that radio silence. <laughs> <laughs> Have another sip of coffee, big boy. You'll come good. <laughs> Maybe about thirty years late, too late for me. But, uh. <laughs> but but anyone who knows anything about about you know getting teams ready or getting individuals ready or you know race horses in your case, what's you know, yeah and and you know Nick's been around up and down a few dry gullies as well. So he, he, but he knows. About everyone's got to peak somewhere, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. and you can't peak too many times in one year. Yeah, that's it's like yeah. the old saying, isn't it? With rugby league, you don't win premierships in April. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yep. that's right. But you've got to have a consistency in April. Yep. to get you through to to September. Yeah, you know, and and that's the difference. So if these athletes are now, and and you'll find the ones that keep winning, or the ones that'll just come second or whatever, and they'll just they'll be just ready. You know, yep. you know, wait for the green light to go, and all of a sudden they'll just qualify and bang. Okay, I'm off to Tokyo. So, you know, the, the Canberra Classic was on yep. yesterday. Yep. Um, so we haven't seen the results from that. The Australian Combined Events on tomorrow. Yes. So you'll see a, a few starting, a few names will start getting put, put on, onto our athletics team. The Sydney Track Classic is on the 22nd mm-hmm. of Feb. The Queensland Track Classic is on the 20th of March. And the Australian Track and Field Championships is on the 21st of March. Yep. So, you know, that's only, that's only down the road for when... When Tokyo's on, mm-hmm. so so you'll find they'll start peaking. 
And John, a lot of our listeners are, are, are know you. Obviously, we go have a wide uh, broadcast region here on the Resonate Network from Mount Isa to Charters Towers, out to Emerald, obviously here in Longreach and down to Roma. Grassroots athletics, how important is it? And what have we got to look forward to in 2020? Yeah, grass, yeah, grassroots is in there, I suppose it's important. And everyone's got to start somewhere. Mm. So, you know, you, you might get the little guy that all he wants to do is run around and, and you know, do what he needs to do. And, and we've had a few come out of this country by just saying that, you know. Mm. And, and you go back to, like, you know, Josh Wong, Josh Smith, who still lives in our community. Yeah. You know, you know, Angela Hallams, who come from Barkey, and Matty Wills, and, and those sort of things. Those, those sort of athletes. Mate, they come from our... Oh, yeah, you know, can I play, play athletics now? Yes, yeah. <laughs> sure, mate. Come up and, and run, jump, and, and have a throw. And and everyone starts from somewhere. And and I think that's vital. Mm. It, it's it's just to get up there, and it's about having fun. So you even ask these guys that have already qualified or trying to qualify or whatever. What's the first thing you do, mate? Oh, I'm having fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoy my sport. You mm. know, so even though the pressure's on them to do this and do that and whatever. So it comes down to the everyday coach, that the local coach that, that you know, so I give up two afternoons a week, you know, from four o'clock to five o'clock to, to, to coach our little champions age, you know, eight till ten. Yep. Yeah. You know, all, all of a sudden, they're, they're a vital part of, of the cog and they're probably more, invi- more vital than the, than the, you know, the national coaches. Yeah. Because the natural, national coaches, they get the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. They tweak and they do, and they have their skill base and whatever. But you get the everyday Joe Citizen out there and and and, and coaching in, in whatever sport. Yep. It's it. You know, they're very, very, very important because they're motivators. They become mentors and they become all those sort of um, things to the everyday yep. little champion. For sure. What uh, events at the Olympics do you particularly look forward to seeing? Um, I really enjoy the 400 meters. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I like the 400 meters, Nick, yep. uh, only because it it's such a demanding race. It looks easy, but if anyone's ever run a 400 meters, <laughs> they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. They're going quick the whole time. It's perfectly yeah, between, yeah. isn't it, a staying <laughs> event and a sprint event? Yeah, yeah. Because you're aerobic, you're, you're working in your aerobic and anaerobic, you know, thing, you know, all that sort of stuff, yeah, technical yeah. stuff within yeah, your body. Yeah. But but it's really you're, you're, you're mixing a sprinter and, and a middle distance mm, runner. Mm. So you've got to try and find that happy balance. And as you say, you know, like, you know, probably the best, best you know, 400 metre runner I ever um, coached. And he went to Commonwealth Youth Championships in, in, in India. Yep. And uh, he went very, very well over there. And um, But he, I used to do not so much 400 metre stuff. I used to do a lot of 800 metre stuff and 100 metre stuff. <laughs> right. So he's an 11 second man, 100 metres, but he wasn't quick enough in the nation to be the number one 100 metre man, but yep. he is quick enough to be the number one in the in the Oceania and and Australian Championships as a 400 metre runner. Yep. Mm. And no one could get near him. Only for the fact that because that was his makeup. Yeah, I, I certainly enjoy that, um, but I, I just enjoy I just enjoy it all really. Yeah. I like some of the more obscure sports away from athletics as well. Mm. You only get to see once yeah, every right. four years. Yes, that's, yeah, that's, and, and there's yeah. a lot of them, and and, yeah. and, and, the, and the host nations as well. You know, like we do a lot of marble playing over here, and that's what we're going to have <laughs> yeah, at our Olympics. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and that's true because I'll bring their, their national. As long mm. as the Olympic body sort of says okay, you know, you know that that's fine. But yeah, right. What's the a? There's a there's a, a sport there that we don't sort of see too often. Mm. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there and you go, wow, look at the skills of that person. Yeah. And yeah. what I love is also you become an instant expert. Oh, that was never a good parry to the fencer. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, we'll have to cut it off there. Uh, John Palmer, thanks very much for your time thanks, this afternoon and contribution to the Summer Edition. It is a Summer Edition on the Resonate Network, thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. Back with today's summer edition, thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. You can catch us right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. And uh, Scott, the AFLW into week two. Yeah, that's exactly right, mate. It's one of the great competitions now, um, a regular competition that's happening, and we're into week two. And we're really lucky to have a member from the AFLW. She plays for the Brisbane Lions team, uh, Bree Conan. How are you, mate? Hey, good, thanks. Thanks for having me. No, no worries. Now, Bree, you played uh, last weekend. You actually beat the reigning premiers in Adelaide. How's the body pulling up from that? 
Um, yeah, always a bit sore after round one, but um, no, ready to go again, and we've had a good week on the track, so... Yeah, keen for a dry game, hopefully, this week. <laughs> and, Bree, when you play the reigning premiers, is there any extra motivation, like, or is it just another game? Like, do you get up knowing that you're playing the team that won it last year? Yeah, I think round one in general is a little bit different because um, pre-season is such a massive build-up, I guess. But uh, we have sort of a rivalry with Adelaide anyway, so um, I don't think we've lost a round one game in the four seasons we've been involved. So, um yeah, it's definitely something about round one that we, we like to get on top early and start the season well, I guess, which is always good. But, um, yeah, I think we we um, always had a rivalry with Adelaide. Now, Bree, take us back to where it all began and, and your journey into uh, the AFLW. When did you first get your love for, for Aussie Rules footy? Um, I think I started playing when I was about five or six for oh, wow. the Magnetic Island Magpies. So I've been playing for a while. <laughs> Maggie Magpies. Um, yeah, yes, that was a mixed team, and yeah, I don't know how I started, but all my friends were playing, so I decided to give it a crack. Um, I played till I was fourteen, couldn't play anymore with the boys, unfortunately, and then I had a couple of years off and started playing for the Cairns Tigers. So I drove up there every weekend, and then yeah, moving down here, um, yeah, and then the season. Uh, I mean, the AFLW started, so I was pretty lucky. <laughs> Brie, we've actually got a bit of a correspondent. Um, you might know her, Liz. I think she's your younger sister. And she did tell me that um, as an older sister, you were quite, a, quite aggressive. Um, you used to put a few, a few shots on her and, and had quite a temper. Have you had to kind of curb that, you know, when you're starting to play professional sport? Oh, she likes to um, say, throw that around a lot, actually. I've heard that quite a bit from her. Um, no, she she definitely knew how to stir the pot, I'm not going to lie. Um, I think she still does. <laughs> yes, definitely. Obviously, with regards to this question. Um, no, uh, we were <laughs> a little bit competitive growing up, uh, you could say, but um, I think it helps me on the field, if anything. <laughs> Yeah, now, Bree, this is Nick. How are you finding the crowd support for the AFL women's competition going? Um, yeah, it was amazing. We had almost over 3,000 on the weekend, mm. and it was wet, miserable weather. So, <laughs> um, yeah, no, not too bad at all. It was good environment, and they were very loud. Definitely wasn't many Crow supporters, so that helped. <laughs> now, Bree, obviously, not a, it's not a full-time uh, gig at the AFLW. For, uh, two-part mm. question here. When, when does your pre-season start? And um, what what else do you do um, with your time? Um, so preseason starts. It was it was a little bit of a mix this year because we our AFL contracts were a little bit you know under reason. But it started mid November, I think. Yep. So we train all the way through. Have a about a week off, week and a half off for Christmas, um, and then the season's obviously very short. So it's only five or six months of the year, and then. I still work as a physiotherapist yep. for a private practice in Carina. Um, so, yeah, it keeps me nice and busy. Um, yeah, and then I'll go back there and and work for the rest of the year, so it's not too bad, it's not too interrupted. Yep. And so, Bree, with the AFLW, what, like Nick talked about the crowds, and I've noticed the crowds get bigger each year. Have you noticed anything else changing in terms of the competition? Like, have you noticed, um, you know, have things changed for you guys um, with things going forward? Um, yeah, with regards to the competition, I guess there's always teams being added. So now the next three years for that to be stable will be a good thing, I think. And I, I think the talent and the competition will just grow skill-wise, um, which we've noticed over the years from season one to now even. Um, the skills just continue to, to grow. And um, do you feel that the, uh, the participation of girls has been driven by the, the exposure of the AFLW? Yeah, oh, definitely. There's actually a pathway now, so it's pretty exciting. If, you, if you're coming through the ranks and you, you want to try another sport, there's actually um, a career option for AFL now. So, no, it's definitely definitely helped drive participation rates, especially in Queensland. It's massive now. Bree, hey, thank you so much for your time. We wish you all the best for the season going forward, and we hope to see the Brisbane Lions team on Grand Final Day. We really appreciate your time. Thank you for the chat this morning. No, all good. Very welcome. It was fun. Good having me. Thank you. No worries. You're listening to the Summer Edition across the Resonate Network. Back with today's 
summer edition and it's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. You can catch us right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. Nick, a coffee that is definitely, a coffee, a topic that's definitely <laughs> close to our hearts. Yes, we are going to talk about coffee. People say caffeine and stress are bad for you, but I wouldn't put that. I wouldn't get up in the morning so uh, <clears> I'm a bit, <laughs> I'm a bit dubious, but I'm sure you, I'm sure you can have too much of a good thing. Now joining us um, uh, uh, is Martin Buggy and Mel Eddyveen from Bondi Chai. I got it right uh, good afternoon guys <laughs> now tell us a bit about this we've just read a, read a bit of a press release that we should have a coffee free day yeah it's, uh, it's actually a concept that um, that emanates of course as usual out of america um, yep. next month i think in america it is uh, march is the the month they've designated as caffeine awareness month and they're, they're charging Americans with um, the responsibility of taking a bit more notice of how much caffeine they're taking, uh, they're intaking. And um, we just think it's a, it's a good idea. It's, you know, caffeine is, as you say, a, a universal drug mm. in, the, in the world now, Western world certainly, and certainly large parts of, of uh, Eastern society as well. So, um, it's, it, it, you know, caffeine is, never, it is a drug at the end of the day. It, it acts on the brain mm. and... Uh, creates a certain sense of um, wellness or well-being in people and one that you can very easily become addicted to almost. Oh, sure. So it, it's worthwhile taking note of just how addicted you are to it every now and then. Yeah, I have noticed sometimes when I've missed my morning coffee, it takes me about a couple of hours ago and work out what's gone wrong with my day. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, if, you, if you are like me and you love your morning coffee, the old heart stuff, you're going to do without that for the day. What would you suggest to uh, replace it? Well, obviously, there's lots of options, and I mean, I don't know that I'm not suggesting everyone go cold turkey because there, you know, obviously, there's not a lot of drinks out there unless you go maybe for a nice healthy juice or some water with a, you know, with a squeeze of lemon that's meant to get you started in the morning. But I think if you're aware, I mean, obviously, depending on if you're drinking a, a double shot, I think we had friends come from America once and they ordered a triple shot espresso oh, at a cafe and they had no idea what they were talking about, but. Um, <laughs> It actually stopped the brewster's tracks. He had no idea how to respond to it. What are you bouncing <laughs> off the walls? If you don't go cold turkey, if you feel like you're going to crash, but just be aware and maybe you know have a cup of tea or you know chai, a chai latte. Most chais have got a little bit of caffeine in them, but they're about the same as a green tea. So it's a nice low one. And and a lot of the things with coffee we're finding with people is it's really the sweet frothy milk drink they're after, oh, not yeah. necessarily the caffeine heat it's giving them. So you know try something different and see if you just what you're after is that you know that that action of taking the drink and not necessarily in the mouthfeel rather than the actual caffeine and, and that's something that's resonated with me for quite some time i remember having a chat to a doctor about um what our weight in as a society and he said you know people 15 years ago used to have four coffees a day but they'd be instant coffees with a touch of milk now they're drinking yeah. two liters of milk per day in their coffee and that's something yeah. that's another thing you need to be aware of Absolutely, yeah. We um, we've seen reports that the coffee industry actually has had you know, has had uh, put together that talk about Australians not in fact having a love affair with coffee, but having a love affair with warm, sweet, frothy milk that they flavour with coffee. And um, the, and he points to all the uh, the cafes that will tell you that you know eighty or ninety percent of what they sell is either a cappuccino or a latte. Very few people drink a short black or a or an espresso, a shot of espresso. So, yeah, it's really a milk drink that we're, we're drinking, and I think that's a, um, an important point. It's, it's all about the, the comfort that that gives you and the, and the sense of, um, of well-being, I guess, in, in uh, drinking warm milk as well. So, and I think, like you say, you know, when I was a young girl, someone, you know, when I was learning how to look after yourself, someone said to me, a milk drink is not a drink, it's a meal. It's a meal, yeah. <laughs> so we just need to, you know, by all means, have have one or two, but don't have one every every break you stop, go and make yourself a milk drink, because yeah. obviously that's not good either. And, mm. and you talk about uh, caffeine awareness. Another form of caffeine that's quite popular I've seen around younger people at the moment is um, they're hitting these pre-workout drinks really hard before they go to the gym. Yeah. And some people might just have a short black, as you said before. That's another thing that you really have to watch too because um, it's a massive hit of caffeine. It can't be good for your heart. Yeah, I, I don't know the medical um, you know, the medical ramifications of consuming caffeine. Uh, I, when I did some research on this, this stuff uh, some years ago, I was alarmed to find that it's actually, <laughs> it's actually an insecticide. Caffeine is wow. actually produced produced in the plant to to stop caterpillars eating their leaves. 
Um, so basically what you're drinking is, you know, <laughs> a glass of morphine. <laughs> so it ought to have some effect on your, yeah. on your metabolism. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, there, is, there are equal numbers of studies on both sides of the scales telling you how good it is for you as opposed to how bad it is for you. Uh, we really only operate from, from anecdotal evidence. And I can remember one uh, guy that ran a call centre um, basically rang us and said, look, I've got to get another drink into the coffee machine on this floor because my staff are basically chewing their heads off my clients <laughs> after about one o'clock. <laughs> so hyper. <laughs> and I've got to get them off caffeine before you know before they go home. So we actually brought our chai into his coffee machine, his one-touch coffee machine, in order to give them an alternative drink uh, to get them away from the cafe. Uh, he, he wasn't saying don't drink coffee. Actually, you know, he, he saw it was a good thing in the morning. But as as the day wore on and they were into their fourth and fifth and sixth coffees, uh, he, he saw definite results, ramifications for his business. So um, we were very pleased to be able to supply him with uh, and again this warm, sweet. Uh, frothy milk drink, but with only about a quarter of the caffeine load in it, which um, which our product has. It still has 25 uh, milligrams of uh, caffeine in it now, in, Ma- a, in an eight-ounce cup. Now, Martin and Mel, you are from uh, the Australia's most award-winning chai latte, Bondi Chai. Now, tell us a bit about your company. Well, we're a, we're a small company, and we only do chai, and um, up until about six months ago, we only did two different flavours. So we sort of we like to, you know, do what we're good at and let, let everyone else do everything else. So, you know, we, we build a, a product that's it's not a commodity, it's natural, it's, it's healthy, it's not got industrial ingredients that you can't pronounce in it. So it's just, it's a sweet flavoured milk drink that has tea in it. Yeah. So it's just yeah. giving all these people, I mean, I, I'm not a coffee drinker at all, I don't like the taste of coffee. Um, so when you go out to a cafe, it's just nice to have a, a fun drink but, but it's frothy and milky and something you wouldn't drink at home. We, uh, we started our business about 15 years ago, actually. Wow. And, and so it's, it's been growing steadily ever since then. And, you know, we're only, as Melissa said, we're really only a micro company. We won the Telstra Micro Business Award, <laughs> I think it was. So, yep. you know, it was kind of a, it was, an, it was nice to win, but it, at the end of the day, it was a micro business award. That's all right. Um, <laughs> but we do, um, we do take pride in the fact that our, our product seems to resonate with an awful lot of people. We sell a, a Bondi chai somewhere in the world now because we export oh. our product as well. We sell it some, somewhere in the vicinity of one every two seconds is going out. So whilst we're talking with you, you know, a couple of hundred people have been drinking Bondi chai somewhere around the place. That's fantastic. That's a great story. Uh, thanks for your time, uh, Martin and uh, Mel, and all the best with Bondi chai. Thanks, yeah. mate. Thanks. Appreciate your call. Bye-bye. It's Bye-bye. A, it's the summer edition heard right across regional Queensland. Back with the second hour of the summer edition, and it's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. Get amongst it today. Scott Parkinson, uh, mate, today's probe. You've got the glove out. You've got the Vaseline in your pocket. Where are we headed? Well, the probe to me is something that you kind of said off air, and I've kind of, yeah, making Nick a little bit uncomfortable. We talked about the Allen Border Medal and um, how it's pretty prestigious, but mm. what is the biggest award in sport? Mm, I would have said it's not. Sorry, it's yeah. not best and fairest at local cricket. I can tell you because I got that, and then nothing came with it. <laughs> but you know, you've, you've got to you've got to look at these things, Scott. And I think the glosses dropped off a lot of these awards because mm. you you have a new award here and a new award there, and you have participation this and participation yeah. that. And once upon a time, I reckon the old players' player was the one. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know where your teammates voted. If you remember, I got players' player back in. Um, Division one ballon of sock. <laughs> and and I was only sixteen, but geez, it made you feel yeah, good that your did, peers yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you're a kid um, thought that you're okay. Sometimes I think you suggest these topics purely just to regale us <laughs> with tales of your youth at sport. Did anyone mention the Emerald Awards last week? <laughs> the what? Anyway. Uh, but moving right along, um, obviously. I think I think um, for athletes, the Olympic gold yeah, see, is still coveted. I think so too, but I think it's been a little devalued. Not for the athletes. It used to be the gold medal was so fantastic, you know. Mm. But it was all the amateur sports that you never heard of. Then all these other sports like tennis all pitched to be a part of the Olympic Games. Yep. And so you've got you know, great tennis players, but they... Yeah. Fundamentally, you're not going to talk about yep. Serena Williams or Roger Federer in terms of the gold medals they won. You're going to talk about it in the majors. That was it for the tennis yep. player. Why they felt the need, we've got to get in on this action mm. as well. I think it's devalued the Olympics somewhat. Do you look at something like the, the, the Brownlow then, Scott? Oh, I think in Australia, I'm not a huge AFL person, but if you look at an Australian <laughs> award, 
everyone's trying to get the brown. Everyone's yeah. trying to compete yeah, with the yeah, brown. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for True, me, yeah. that is the most prestigious. It's still on free to air coverage. That's a big sign to me that it's it's you know. You got to remember though, Australia. Melbourne are insane. Well, yeah, but that's but, but like you know, the NRL has the Dally M. Mm. It will never be the brown line. No, like I mean, that's no. what they're trying to get it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's never going to be that. The Allen Border Medal. Mm. Yep. Well, it's cool, I've just got. It's, funnily enough, Cricket Australia found my email and they've returned one of my correspondence. Um, it's new phone. Who dis? <laughs> uh, press release now known as the Dave Warner Medal. Oh, <laughs> of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. The bull. The bull. The bull. <laughs> but it's the- interesting, isn't it? Because there are a lot of coveted awards. Mm. Um, you know, I don't. I disregard Commonwealth medals. I, th- I think you know, um, it, it's kind of the. It's the Mickey Mouse. It's the nines, isn't it? Yeah. Commonwealth Games. Oh, I don't know. I mean, there's still there's um you still will have fine world records being set. The yeah. Commonwealth Games. It's just a smaller pool of players, mm. basically. So it's yeah. like, it's not an Olympic medal, but no. I still think it's pretty. I good. think you're right. The Olympics, to me, I think 20 years ago was the pinnacle of every athlete, no matter mm. what sport they're doing. It was the Olympics. I think now that sports become a lot more professional. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about your big sports like your basketballs, your soccer's, your you know, like your badminton's professional. Like mm. there's too many professionalism. So I think yeah, it's, I think it's, so it's all individual. Every individual sport, but you know, it's interesting. Like even you look at tennis, like Wimbledon. Every sport has their own big event. Yeah, yeah. And I think the Olympics, to me, I would love if I was an athlete, I'd mm. love to have an Olympic medal. Yeah. That's what oh, I would hold. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have one. This really? hour, no. this this hour we talked to Greg Carpenter of a race in Victoria about the All Star Mile, a concept Nick, which allows the punters to vote for their favourite horses. Yeah, I've got on top of um, alligator blood. Yep, yep, great, got it right. Yeah, <laughs> big punter here, and um, yeah, it's a great idea, gets interest, and uh, it's only in its second year, but yeah, as you know, thousands of people are voting. It's very, it's a great way to sustain the publicity. Now, Scott, you aren't a big coffee drinker. No, that is one thing you, you a flaw you, in your character. A flaw, yes. a slight, but. <laughs> Do you often use coffee for that warm, fluffy feeling in your mouth? <laughs> I have no idea where you're going with this. <laughs> I, do you want to tell another story about your junior sporting days? Um, <laughs> I <laughs> is this about a coach? No, I um, I don't know how to answer that. Yes, I guess I do. Nick, I, I do appreciate what coffee does for people. Nick, we head to the good folk of Bondi Chai, who are. Calling out for Aussies to have a caffeine-free day. Yes, they are taking it from. Um, obviously, they're uh, they've got a vested interest. They sell mm. chai, which is a, which is a good substitute for a coffee if you're worried about your caffeine intake. Mm. Um, personally, if it wasn't for coffee, I don't know how I'd get up in the morning. It's <laughs> it's got a lot of people drive themselves on these pre-workout drinks too. They're such high in caffeine. Yeah, yeah, no, though that's true. I think everyone's looking for something to give them that pick up and go. Mm. Um, bananas apparently aren't a good option. Really, only a short-term hit for a small game. Bloke that uh, loves his bananas, loves his sport, and doesn't need a pre-workout to uh, hit top gear. Harry Arnold from the stands. <laughs> oh, what, a, what an interesting tale Harry's got. You know, sportsman by day, hacker by night. <laughs> So Harry just talks about it like a very local level, but gives his thoughts on a very passionate Cowboys supporter. Yeah, sure. um, you know, we talk about those those supporters and that I can watch a game with. I'm happy to watch a football game with Harry. Mm. It's the summer edition, thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. Back with the summer edition heard across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. And it's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association, Nick Backstrom. Now, radio is a... It's not a visual medium, but they would notice a distinct improvement in your buttocks over the past few weeks. You've been doing a lot of Pilates, and it is all in aid of uh, heading to the best butt up at the Julia Creek Dirt and Dust Festival between the 17th and 19th of April. Well, I may not make it, but if I do, I want to be ready. (laughs) And joining us to talk all things Dirt and Dust, Casey Mitchell from the Julia Creek Dirt and Dust Festival joins us. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're, yeah, we're very well, thanks, Casey. Now, it's a massive uh, event up there in Julia Creek uh, over the three days, starting on the 17th, the Friday. It is. So on the Friday afternoon, we've got the Adventure Trail Run starting at 5pm and heading into the night, you've got the Family Free Fun Night, uh, which has got Casey Barnes headlining, followed by Jared Taylor. That sounds like great concert. What does the Adventure Trail Run involve? Uh, so it's like it's got 13 man-made and natural obstacles. Uh, so if you've got um, those fun runs with, right. you know, yeah. like the net climbing and stuff like that, it's it's what that is. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> What's shaking it, it, it sounds too hard. <laughs> Before we look at the Saturday event, give us a bit of a history of the dirt and dust. Obviously, it's, it's been going quite some time. 
Yeah, so it's actually our 26th year this year and the Dirt and Dust started in Julia Creek, obviously, at the back of the old town and country club by a bunch of locals having a beer out the back and they wanted to think of a way of how to put Julia Creek on the map. Um, and so they sort of what was hot at the moment, which was triathlons back then, and then it all started from there. And it certainly has put Julia Creek on the map, and as you said, into your 26th year. It's got to be a great injection of funds for the local community and communities uh, in transit as well. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, it definitely br- it brings about three about 3,000 people over the whole weekend to the town, so definitely you get a lot of um, tourism through there. Now, Saturday is the big day, uh, starting with the Senior Triathlon, heading into the lucrative race meeting uh, on Saturday at the Julia Creek Turf Club, and then PBR Saturday night's got something for everybody. Yeah, yeah, and then um, Wolf Brothers headlining that night as well, followed by Hurricane Fall. Now, the Senior Triathlon, um, it's, it's been a popular event over the past few years as well. Yeah, so uh, we get about 300 competitors every year, which is pretty, pretty spectacular for um, a triathlon that starts in Little Eastern Creek and heads along Flinders Highway back into the main town. So That's a big run. Now, the best butt festival or the best butt competition, Australia's best butt, it's a big call. How, I understand there's a sort of, a sort of an accidental beginning to that competition that's sort of become permanent now. Yeah, so it actually happened... Um, Oh, I'm not sure. Many years ago, a blackout happened in the middle of a Mental as Anything concert on a Saturday night, and someone had the smart idea to get some torches and throw some people on stage and told them to shake their booty. So that's how that started. Lucky you came up with that then, because it'd be a bit politically incorrect to do that now. <laughs> but oh, I remember yeah. there used to be... I so. We still keep it some clean time, yeah. so there are some rules, I, but it's definitely a lot of fun. I did see the rules, you've got to keep your trousers on, so that's a good one. Well, there used to be, there used to be heat to the best butt at the at the Stockman's Hall of Fame. There used to be a, a qualifier here in Longreach. It's, it is time-honoured, Nick, and I'm telling you, these Pilates aren't being done in vain, I promise you. <laughs> the exposure you need is going to be better than any Valentine's Day's present. Um, the race meeting on the Saturday, um, a lot of value-added prize money there, and horses, uh, they come from uh, far and wide to attend there also. Yeah, yeah, as well as, um, so there's a couple of race meetings across the day and uh, trackside taste as well. So if your horses aren't really your thing but you still want to go check it out, they've got the trackside taste as well, which is a nice luncheon. So oh, nice. Beautiful. Now, Casey, uh there's plenty of details to be covered here for the Julia Creek Dirt and Dust uh, Festival. What's the best uh, place to check in and get all these? So the best place to go would be www.dirtanddust.com. That's our website. But we are very active on Facebook and Instagram as well. So if you just check out our name, Dirt and Dust Festival, you'll find us there too. That's the Julia Creek Dirt and Dust Festival coming up on the 17th through to 19th of April. Casey Mitchell, thanks very much for your time this afternoon and contribution to the summer edition. No worries. Thank you for having me. This is the summer edition heard right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. Back with the summer edition and it's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association and you can hear us right across the Resonate Network on 4VL, 4SB, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country, Nick Backstrom. Yes, this week in From the Stands, we like to get an enthusiast. And in this case, we've got a slightly unusual enthusiast in that he plays a lot of sport as well as talks about him. <laughs> uh, local uh, rugby league player, cricketer and bomber bottom man about town, it's Harry Arnold. And you forgot the CEO of Arnold Technologies. <laughs> That's right. Harry Arnold, good afternoon. <laughs> Good afternoon, what's he? Hello, Nick. How's it going? Good, mate. Good, good. And don't forget Barco. Oh, is he there, is he? <laughs> oh, well, let's just, um, just to clear it for viewers, Harry and I aren't actually talking at the moment because the sport he does plays tennis and I underarm oh, yeah. served him and he hasn't spoken to me since. So, <laughs> Harry, um, I'm doing a public apology across the Resonate Network. Sorry for the underarm serve. It didn't work for the nah. Aussies v Kiwis, did it? <laughs> no. But, Harry, one so one thing I want to just... Harry is a massive fan of rugby league. He's a Cowboys fan. A Cowboys tragic, uh, some would say. Now, Harry, there's been a lot of movement at the Cowboys. Obviously, Valentine Holmes is their big addition. I would dare say that the Cowboys have been the most disappointing Queensland side of the last two, maybe three years in terms of the potential of the field. 
What what do you feel about their chances this year, mate? Uh, yeah, definitely um, disappointing over the last two years. I wouldn't say the last three years, considering they made the grand final <laughs> and lost to the uh, the Storm of the in the grand final. But um, I think they're I think they've got pretty good uh, prospects this year. I, I don't think they can win the competition. I think they'll make the finals, sort of in the fourth to eighth um, ladder position range. I think there's still the Storm, the Raiders, Roosters. Uh, probably Rabbitohs and Manly are ahead of them, but I think it's going to be a bit of a log jam in that fourth to eighth, and that fourth to eighth position, they'll really be fighting for it. They've made, um, I really like the Valentine Home uh, addition. It's, it's been, it, like, it's obviously going to be compared to the uh, Jared Hayne um, signing, but I, I don't think it's, obviously it is similar in that they've both gone to NFL and he's come back. I don't think it's that similar though, like, Valentine Holmes is still only, what, like 24? And he's probably a bit less polarising than Jarrett Hayne. Like he's, he's, he's always sort of talked about eventually coming back to the, the Cowboys and um, he doesn't have all this, um, I guess, personal issues going on like uh, Jared Hayne did. So I think he'll, he'll probably have a slow start to the year, but I don't know, mid-season he'll come good. Mate, we're on uh, eight. Then they, Sorry, carry on. Sorry? Yeah, carry on. Uh, then there's uh, Ethan Masters. I think he's going to be a great signing. Over the last couple of years, since probably since they won it in 2015, they haven't really had uh, great fast explosives outside outside backs, and I think he'll really um, add that into the back line. Um, him and him and Bell Holmes really sort of speed up the Cowboys, you know, back end of each of their sets. Mm. Now, Harry, as a, a Cowboys fan, oh, this is a tough question right here. How do you feel about <laughs> Elton John opening the stadium in front of the Cowboys? I mean. Queensland Country Bank Stadium, hopefully the new fortress, firstly being graced by Elton John. <laughs> oh, you know, Queensland is, you know, they're not homophobic, so what's the, you know, what's the worry? <laughs> Neither is anyone on the summer edition. But we were unable to get, we were unable to get hold of any Cowboys this week because uh, most of them in transit heading towards yeah. the Perth Nines, mate. Uh, the concept of the Perth Nines, uh, your thoughts? I like it. Um, it's... I, I think it, it's a glorified trial game sort of pre-season stuff, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It gives young guys a, like you know time to play on the big stage. It, it helps build like cohesion in the playing group, and it probably it's probably a good thing for the uh, for the NRL as a whole because uh, like it's going to Perth this year, I think, and it gives them chance to see sort of spectator support if they were to expand into WA. So yeah, I, like. I think it's a good thing whether whether there's a conversation to be had to make it sort of a mid-season thing or after-season thing and just make it a whole, do it with uh, all the international games or you could um, do it in like Origin if you made it like a whole three weeks off or something just to have all your, um, I guess, representatives and all-star sort of stuff like then. Well, they could make it a weekend, couldn't they? Have the T20 on the Saturday and the Perth Nines on the Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Big Bash, yeah. sorry, on the Saturday. <laughs> Get a, get a half-decent crowd to it as well. <laughs> hey, Harry, um, you know, we obviously talked about your talents. Now, you are a try-scorer in last year's long-reach nines. Mate, the um, yeah. nines itself, as a professional, well, semi-professional football player, is nines a tough... How tough is it playing nines compared to 13 aside? Well, uh, well, we played sevens, actually, not nines. <laughs> Even uh, tougher. <laughs> there was nine on there after Parco had 14 gold cans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, one of them wasn't wearing their clothes. Yeah, but uh, uh, no, it's like compared to the thirteen game side, I actually think easier because you're only on this. I think we play seven minute halves, so fourteen minute games, and you're swapping every set or two. So it's not like you're going out there um, in a, like a eighty minute game. You're on there as a forward for twenty minutes. Like you're on there for one or two minutes at a, one or two minutes at a time, and it's not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that it's not serious, but it's not. I get not sort of as hard. So yeah, not as it, intense. It, it, sorry? Not as intense. Yeah, it's it's a bit more um, free flowing as well. So there's it's not as um, it's not as rough, I guess is probably the better way to say it. There's more there's more space for there's more space to run around. Less likely you're gonna get uh, like smashed in the kidneys while you're held <laughs> up in a tackle. So, you know, it's 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 yeah, it's good. Hey, Harry, we've made you sound like a really, really good sportsman, so you're welcome for that. But let's be honest, you, you're a much bigger spectator of sport than you are a player. Mate, I want to know, what are some things that really grind your gears <laughs> when fans are watching sport? What are some behaviours that you really don't like? Behaviours that I don't like? Mm. Oh, I've watched a couple of games, Broncos-Cowboys <laughs> games with Parco, 
And yeah. oh god, he's the most one-eyed supporter you'll ever see. <laughs> is there anything wrong with that? Oh, it's not wrong, <laughs> but it's just a, it's a bit annoying when you're a bit hypocritical. Like you know, Josh McGuire is coming in, putting eyes in their eyes, in, eyes in their eyes while he's playing for the Broncos. Now that he's playing for the Cowboys, he's doing the same thing, and it's like he was loving it for the Broncos. <laughs> now he's being all hypocritical and hating it again when it's happened to him. Just, just before we let you go, Harry, um, <laughs> just want to get your thoughts on uh, the Australian summer of cricket. Um, it seems unstructured now. The test game isn't glorified as much as it used to be. The length of the Big Bash season. Uh, your thoughts on uh, generally over the cricket summer? Yeah, well, I, I think the men's team is in a strong position, but I, I don't know what um, Cricket Australia, like how they... Well, we want to know too, but they don't answer our calls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, They're afraid of our harsh criticisms. Yeah, the Australian <laughs> summer seemed to be over before February started, so that, that can never be a good thing. Like, um, mm. they, they sort of, you know, uh, tied, uh, you know, retained the Ashes in England. You want to see him come back and put 500 on the board in the test and play a couple ODIs and play a couple T20s. But they were in India half like, yeah. well, at the start of February. So it's, it's a bit it's a bit sad to see that we can't see them at home in our home summer. For sure. Now, Harry, the last three one-day internationals are against New Zealand, up against the first three rounds of the NRL. As a cricket fan, as an NRL fan, what are you going to be watching? Uh, I'll be watching, I think it's definitely week two, Broncos versus Cowboys. It's going to be, <laughs> should be a great match. You know, the Queensland Derby, you know, straight away. So yep. that'll be good. Definitely be watching that one. Um, but, you know, I'll probably put my time evenly. <laughs> probably see Josh McGuire doing some illegal eye gouges too, like he does <laughs> since he moved from the Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Arnold. Can't blame uh, him for it. Technical genius that you are, sportsman and everything else. Thanks Scholar. very much for your time. Great yeah. lover. <laughs> <laughs> Even better kisser. <laughs> oh, yeah, I should have cut you off. Well, not cutting you off the problem. I should have cut these two off earlier. Thanks for your time on the summer edition. All thanks to the Australian <laughs> Mung Bean Association. Thanks, mate. With today's summer edition, uh, thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. And we've got a real David versus Goliath story here, Scott. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk to the principal of Warrialda Public School uh, after their PWSA under-13s uh, rugby victory. Now, PWSA incorporates all the public schools in New South Wales. It's shades of the Ballina High School team of 1996-7 <laughs> who finished third in, in the Opens cricket, Scott. <laughs> we need to cut Watsy off because otherwise he'll tell us all about his highlights and they pale in comparison to the story. We've got Dan on the phone. Dan, how are you? Yeah, good boys. How are you going? Yeah, going well, mate. Now, just tell us the story. So, only the third team ever outside Sydney to win this um, PWSA tournament. Mate, tell us the journey towards the tournament. Um, yeah, basically, it was, it was, it was actually a, a bit of a, um, not only, I guess, you know, to use the expression of Cinderella story, it was pretty um, uh, unlikely because we... Um, um, we were actually very much a league town. Warrialda is the home of the mighty Wombats and, um, and a lot of good Warrialda blokes go up to, you know, like Crusher Cleal and all those fellows oh. that have gone on to play uh, representative rugby league. And, and Union's certainly not a game that's uh, played too much around our area. And, and so um, we were in the league knockout. And, and by all um, accounts, what happened was uh, it snowed the day we were meant to play league. And uh, there was snow on the road and the league day got knocked out. And, uh, and it, it, when they rescheduled it, it clashed with something else. And we, we made the decision that we just, you know, something had to give. We couldn't get the kids to the, the league. And we thought we'd put all our efforts into the union comp instead, which we were already in. And, uh, and so that's what sort of happened. We, we had to play uh, eight games all up to get to the, to get to the final. Um, and, you know, obviously, it, as a knockout, you, if you lose, you're gone. And uh, I think for the first six games, we didn't have a point scored against us. Wow. Uh, beating, beating teams sort of, you know, 40 nil and 50 nil and things like that. So, yeah, it was a very, very uh, impressive team. I've got to say, if uh, a snow day put out the rugby league, if that's not a sign that rugby is a game they play in heaven, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's hey, right. Dan, when you are um, changing over from league to union, um, how long did it take the kids? Because I know they are very different games. I mean, there's there's the physicalities in both, but was it a bit of a transition period to get the kids um, around those areas of Union? Uh, yeah, and I think it's like anything. You've got to pick the important bits out. I think Union, you know, I, I went to school in Brisbane and played Union up there and, and, and had a background in league and, 
and I know it can be quite confusing if you if you get too um, into all the rules. So I really just work. You, you try and get them to play rugby league first and foremost, but do something differently when they're on the ground. And you try and avoid the breakdown as much as possible. So. <laughs> uh, at contact, our, our whole game plan was to, to get quick ball, pop it up to the next person, and we were really lucky. Our team was... Frankly, that is a startling uh, approach fit. these days. Very fit. <laughs> yeah. uh, fit the kids and, uh, and could play that style. So, um, you know, if another team had held on to the ball and tried to go through us by with a pick-and-drive sort of game, we might have not known how to respond. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but they, didn't, they didn't get that far. So, um, yeah, no, it was... It was pretty exciting, but I know the, um, the one of the little funny bits of the story was is that um, our kids didn't understand union numbers, so they played the state <laughs> final down in Sydney, um, wearing their rugby league numbers. So like, our, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like I know my my young fellow, um, he'd been playing left centre. He plays left centre in league, and and. Um, and we had him wearing number four, which, you know, should have been a, a second row, but he was in the centres. And, um, yeah, I, I think it rattled the other team a bit because they were looking for number one and three, saying who the big boppers were coming out, but they weren't. Yeah, so. Could be a master's track for the Wallabies to try. <laughs> yeah, well, anything would be worth trying with those blokes. <laughs> Mate, we've been talking over the past couple of weeks here on the summer edition about kids in sports and uh, kids being active, and it's great to see the kids of Warrialda um, turning out to play rugby league, rugby union, and uh, probably all things sport. How how are kids' uh, activity numbers around that area? Yeah, they're really strong. We're really lucky. Our local community um, is a, is very much you know, it's really focused on sport and really supportive of anything the kids try and do. We've got a, a local association which. I don't know if many other small communities have this, but we've got a, a sports council, Warrior Sports Council, and they, they throw a huge amount of effort and energy into supporting absolutely anything that the kids do, whether it's horse riding or, you know, rugby league, cricket. They, they back them and they'll, you know, if they make a rep team, they'll f- help fund the family to get them away. And, um, you know, they're just an amazing group. Um, and But, yeah, very much um, active kids. And it's funny, I... You know, I don't want to take away from your radio station, but I was listening to the Super Radio Network only this afternoon, and they were talking about um, the new rules in rugby league with junior rugby league going to non-tackle. Oh, don't and, get us uh, started. Yeah, <laughs> um, Not really keeping score. <laughs> no, uh, one of the things was the, the whole, you know kids are so inactive and, and, it, and it's true but it's not really the case out here like um, you know our kids are, are super active and I think it's probably a little bit the opposite maybe a bit more space around like up where you guys are it helps you know kids got more to do and actually we've, we're lucky here too we've seen the largest exponential growth in junior league out here in the past two years so uh, bush kids are active and uh, it's good to see there should be more of it yeah, yeah, I know. I had a, um, a good conversation with a coach of the New South, one of the junior New South Wales cricket teams, and he said um, you can actually pick a country kid when they're at the, the state carnivals by the way they they go about their business in fielding and whatnot with so much more energy. He said sometimes the city kids are a little bit more a little bit more polished with some of their technique, but he said um, by by a mile our kids are far more physically you know active and mature. So it's Hey Dan, my um my key question is the celebrations of under thirteen side. What do you do afterwards just to celebrate the big victory? Uh, it's a bit different to the first grade. <laughs> <laughs> mad Monday? Uh, yeah, no, no, no. There's no Mad Monday. But to be honest, these guys were full celebrities for about for about two weeks. Like we had a um, the next day, the Premier of New South Wales um, did a Scott. Uh, a FaceTime with the boys. Um, We had the Daily Telegraph and Sydney Morning Herald fly up from Sydney to interview the boys um, and do photo shoots with them. And um, it was quite (laughs) remarkable, really. And, you know, it it made um, the New South Wales Parliament, it it would have been a nine or ten minute speech about, um, you know, despite the drought and the the amazing challenges and, you know, that these kids were able to overcome all the obstacles to do it. And, you know, and I think... Uh, something that sort of um, I hadn't talked about was that uh, one of our team, one of the boys actually got shot. Um, he was involved in an accident um, in the lead up to the game and um, he wasn't able to play. He was lucky to live. Jeez. And he was in um, hospital down there. And, and, and uh, during the game, the grand final, the boys were losing 14-0. Um, we were getting absolutely getting our pants pulled down pretty badly. And, and um, 
just in shock. I think the boys didn't know how to respond. The, the other team had um, three kids from the New South Wales rugby team and they were big units and, and they were good. And um, a little bloke that was recovering from the gunshot wound, he he came to the game and he well. arrived and we were 14-0 down and we scored 28 straight points. <laughs> um, when they saw him, they started yelling at him and, um, and you know, it was just, it was just incredible. Um, and, you know, it gives you goosebumps. But, um, yeah, so that was a pretty... I think that's probably what captured everyone's attention a little bit more too, that there was a bit more to the story than, you know, just winning a game of footy. It's outstanding, Dan, and obviously congratulations to yourself and all the parents and volunteers that, that give up their time to give kids these great sporting opportunities. Mate, we thank you so much for your time and your contributions to the summer edition. No, no, it's been a pleasure and good luck with it. It's the summer edition heard right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. And that's about a wrap for this week's summer edition. Thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. Thanks to uh, Bree Cohen from the AFLW Brisbane Lions. Dan from Warrielda Public School with that uh, great union David vs Goliath story. John Palmer talking athletics. The Dirt and Dust Festival in Julia Creek. Greg Carpenter from Racing Victoria. The team from Bondi Chai and Harry Arnold from the stands. Scott Parkinson. It's been another jam-packed show. And just when you think things are kind of slowing down, bam, they go back up again. <laughs> Pow! No, <laughs> we can't say that for legal purposes. But every week we've been doing predictions. Um, Matt, Matt Renshaw, is he back playing Tess yet? What's he? Well, it was interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, some inside mail. I did actually talking to Andy Bickle last week uh, in Emerald. And um, I said, you know, Renshaw would have to be knocking down the door for the Australian side. He goes, well, that's going to be pretty hard, isn't it? I said, why is that? He goes, we've just dropped him from... <laughs> We've just dropped him from Queensland. Anyway, now he's... I don't know why this is. Anyway, Bickle did say that, you know, he's been scoring tons in club cricket, but he's been getting dropped. Yes. And, um, you know, first-class cricketers won't make those mistakes. But Renshaw now has taken a break from cricket. Oh. So what... what, what why? Uh, he's given himself a break? Yeah. Well, it could be a mental, you know, mental thing. I think that's... We've seen cricket players do that. Mm-mm. But he's just been... Forded a double contract for the BBL. He's yeah. just taken a hit. Get in, the, get down and dirty in the in the gutters and, and work hard and get your name back out there. Because yeah, there's I, no doubt he's got the ability. I see that, but sometimes a short term break. I think I think cricket would be one of the most. I mean, every sport's mentally demanding, but as much as a team sport, it really comes down to the individual. Radio's I mean, mentally a, demanding. Look at the amount of knocks we get every week. <laughs> I tell you what, my hair was a dark color of black when I started this show, and now I look like Corey Parker. Um, yeah, mate, I, I think it's interesting. I, I don't, I don't know what the break is for, but maybe it's just a refresh, just mm. to get him. Yeah, it, it's, I think it's a very mentally demanding game. Insofar, it just goes for hours. He's got you seven know. months. Well, the point of that, <laughs> the only reason you're angry is because your prediction's wrong. But so let's go <laughs> to our new prediction. Who wants to kick us off? Canberra Raiders to miss the eight. Oh, bold! Yes. My voice they broken. are going to <laughs> suffer one of the worst hangovers ever seen in the NRL. Ricky Stewart's going to get sacked before the end of the year. Wow. Um, I've got a real bee in my bonnet about the Raiders. You've come in hot. And then, you know what? You might not be too wrong because the Canberra Raiders are consistently inconsistent. Generally, mm. they play yeah, well yeah, yeah. and then are out of the eight. So you might be right there in their off-season signing, Curtis Scott, uh, had a bit of an off-field issue um, mm. leading up to the tournament. I just think that year, and Manly was in the same vein, was too good to be true, and they got so close. Same with the Brisbane Lions. I think they're a real threat of just going bang, bang, gone. Yeah. Mm. Mm. All Nick. right, my bold prediction, David Warner to step down from first-class cricket and representative cricket. You get the Allen Border medal on the top of those performances, you go, well, that was, that was uh, you know, the, the prize I didn't deserve. Mm. Best to get out while the going's good. Well, it's interesting. We're all on the same line. You've got Ricky Stewart being sacked, Dave Warner stepping down. I'm going to say that Kevin Walters has stepped down as Queensland coach. He'll mm. announce at the start of the series Ooh. that this will be his last season in charge, right. and he'll step down at the end. It'll be a real do-it-for-Kevin mentality uh, by the coach whisperer. Um, are they going to bring Kevin 07 on board for a oh bit of... Uh, <laughs> uh, why not? Why not? Gonna, I think he's going to talk to the uh, Blues team. They'll be fast asleep when the game's and, over. And I, I think, and, and what's he, I reckon if, if you your little mate Ricky um, at the Canberra gets sacked, I'd say Kevin Walters, he's looking for an NRL job, and yeah. that would be a perfect one for him. So Kevin Walters will step down this year. And head to Canberra. Thanks, boys. Always great pleasure to uh, talk all things sport on the summer edition across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Have a great week, and we'll uh, talk to you all again next Saturday.